1: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Whoa, well, he has trouble with the snap, And the ball is free! There goes Davis. Oh my god! Davis is gonna run it all the way
0: back! This is VEASAN's College Football Betting Podcast. Welcome in another edition of the VEASAN college football betting podcast as we are full steam ahead week number five of the college football season a light weekday slate a hefty Friday slate which is quite nice once again please subscribe rate review wherever you get your podcast let a friend know let hundreds of friends know that's fine with us too. Every week, we give you three new episodes. If you miss it, on Sundays, Jonathan Von Tobel, he breaks down as they are being put out there, the instantaneous reaction to the lines that are being revealed, Line Revealed Show, each and every Sunday on Vsin at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11, p- 11 a.m. Pacific, and that's in your feed. Thursdays, myself, Tim Murray. And Matt Newmans will break down the entire card. And then on Tuesday mornings in your feed, myself and Adam Burke, take a look back at the week that was, updated power ratings, look down uh, spot or let down spots, all of that. So Adam, always a pleasure to be hanging out with you. We got a little in-studio action today. Um, We're going to get to your stock report here in just a moment, but... Uh, biggest takeaway was there one from the, the weekend as you are full Ohio State gear right now for those who can't see and none of you can see. But uh, looks like the Ohio State
1: offense that we expected has fully arrived. Yeah, definitely. And not only the passing game, but also they're running the football very effectively. Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson, both over 100 yards in that game against Wisconsin. And, yeah, I mean, this is kind of what we expected, right? We didn't expect anybody in the Big Ten to be able to defend this team. And that's what we've seen here thus far. But, you know, hey, I mean, you and I were kind of talking about this a little bit as well, that, you know, Michigan, I don't think they were all that impressive against Maryland. Mm -hmm. But who's going to test the Wolverines until they play Ohio State? So in that game the weekend after Thanksgiving, that seems like it's definitely going to be for everything in the Big Ten once again.
0: Yeah, it's trending that way. So, all right, let's uh, get to it each and every week. Adam Stock Report. So every Monday, check out VEASAN.com as Adam updates his power ratings. And uh, I like to start positively. I've got a club soda here. I would say this is glass half full. So we'll take a look at Stock Up to start. Stock Up. All right, Adam. Kansas, the Jayhawks keep on winning, keep on covering, yet the cowards of the ap poll refused to rank them there was I don't have to get into that rankings as many people know do not matter when it comes to betting when it comes to odds makers when it comes to power ratings but the Kansas Jayhawks continue to impress they get the win they get the cover they are now 4-0 straight up 4-0 ats so what do you continue to do with them as we move forward onto the season
1: yeah, Kansas 26th, and the others receiving votes, they were number one, 125 votes for them, So or points for them. So they should be ranked in the top 25 here next week, especially with Wake Forest and Florida State playing each other. Those are 22nd and 23rd. What? So since
0: assuming they beat Oh
1: Iowa State, they're a home dog against the Cyclones. You, the Cyclones didn't really look all that good last week. I wasn't super impressed with how they've played really throughout the course of the season. I, I feel like Matt Campbell's doing a solid job there, given that They lost so much from last year. I think that this Kansas train does have a good chance of continuing to roll on, though. And I bumped them up five and a half points in my power ratings. And again, it's one of those situations where you just have to tip your cap to this team. What Lance Leipold's doing as the head coach, what Jalen Daniels is doing running this offense, you know, they're just they're believing in themselves finally, too. You know, And, and that's something that's really challenging when you talk about updating power ratings, is Teams like UNLV, for example, a team like Kansas, teams that have been bad for a long period of time, you have a hard time realizing that their performance is for real. And it seems like with Kansas, as well as UNLV, that I bumped up four and a half points. Those are two teams where they legitimately look to be significantly better than previous versions. Yeah. Uh, And
0: can Jalen Daniels numbers? He's getting lit, legitimate Heisman hype right now. He's completing 71 percent of his passes. He's thrown just one interception and no interceptions at him against FBS opponents. That lone interception came week one against who was that Tennessee. Tech or something like that. Uh, he's been fantastic. He's rushed for over 300 yards. So we'll see if it keeps rolling. As Kansas, a home underdog this week. I think uh, I would imagine there'll be a popular dog. Uh, moving forward, uh, especially this week. So let's uh, keep it going. You have a couple more teams uh, that you rose in your ratings uh, over five points, and uh, you're very patriotic, so uh, you bumped up USA. (laughs) South Alabama, the Jags, also five and a half
1: points. Yeah, you know, in South Alabama, like I talked about on previous shows, this is a team that I felt like I was a little bit higher than the market on coming into the season, bet them 6-1 to to win the West Division of the Sun Belt. Felt like... You know, this is a team that I have pretty accurately rated. And then week after week, I'm chasing their their power rating number. Uh, my lines are too low on this team. So I bumped them up five and a half points here, where now that we're into week five, a lot of these teams have played a third of the season. It's not a one-off. It's not a two-off. Patterns are starting to emerge. And right now, not only is South Alabama a quality team, but the market is treating them as a very strong team. So I had to make a pretty substantial adjustment with the Jags and, you know, look, I mean, you kind of look at what's going on in the Sun Belt here. Louisiana loses to Louisiana Monroe, you know, and it seems like it's set up for South Alabama, who you know, has that big game here this week. Yeah, and they were a team. Uh, I believe it was BetMGM earlier
0: this week. Had South Alabama, I want to say twelve to one to win the Sun Belt. Uh, that was a team that, that certainly had my curiosity, especially when you looked at the uh, the Sun Belt West. And and you know, I had a, a good week on the podcast uh, with with uh, picks on Thursday's show, but a bet that I did not mention was Louisiana Tech, and I'm very happy I did not mention that one because they got smoked by uh, the team we just talked about, South Alabama. Another team in the Sun Belt West uh, is Arkansas State. The Red Wolves this past weekend, uh, they lost to Old Dominion. They've lost three consecutive games. I do believe they've covered all three of those games,
1: so is that what has led to the bump up here for uh, the Red Wolves? Yeah, this is another instance where my lines have just been too low on this team, so I I had to Make well. Actually, they've been too high on this team. I guess I should say going against this team. So I had to make an adjustment where you know when Ohio State played Arkansas State, they came out after the game and they were like, you know, this team's better than we thought they were. They you know did well in the transfer portal. They've got some players, and I kind of thought it was just lip service, just sort of you know Ohio State wasn't as crisp as they probably wanted to be in that game. So I thought, oh, you know, they're just yeah, kind of giving this team some platitudes, kind of talking them up a little bit, make themselves feel better about. I'm struggling through various parts of that game. But now I see it week after week where Arkansas state is a team that obviously the market has rated higher than I do. So I made that adjustment here, moved them up five points. I had them way too big or way too big of an underdog when they played Memphis a couple of weeks ago. That should have been the sign for me. It took me a couple of weeks, but now I think I have the Red Wolves in the right spot. All right, let's let's uh, let's go through a couple
0: more teams. Once again, vston.com. Check out Adam's full updated uh, power ratings. We're going to get to the teams that took the biggest hit here in just a moment. A team that I bet on last week and was a very popular, it felt like, uh, situational spot was james madison and we talked about it last week on the pod i gave it out on thursday app state you just had to feel like at some point they were going to run out of gas they led 28 to 3 against james madison and i don't want to take anything away from the dukes but it it did feel like (laughs) that that gas tank did finally run out for appalachian state but what we've seen from the Dukes so far, Adam, 3-0 and in their first year in the FCS. Their win over Middle Tennessee State by 37 in week one continues to look better and better as the Blue Raiders went down to uh, Miami and smoked the Hurricanes. Uh, Todd Centillo, the quarterback, he's a talented dude, can run the ball really well. So what have you done with the James Madison Dukes now a 3-0 and start?
1: Yeah, another week, another move up on the Dukes, moved them up four and a half points here. And, and there's always a question when a team goes from FCS to FBS because they don't have the same number of available scholarships that FBS programs have. So you worry about depth, you worry about their top tier talent level. Is it enough to be able to play at the Division 1A level? And for James Madison, clearly the answer is yes, based on what we've seen here so far. And I had to move him again because, you know, I think my line was 11 last week with App State. So that one closes seven. So I had to make the adjustment to James Madison. I think my power rating's fine on App State, who as you mentioned, I mean they they've basically played an entire season yeah. already through their first Brutal. four games. But I had to move James Madison up again, and I'm actually still a tad bit low. I have their game minus 21 against Texas State. Markets more like 23. But that's a situational spot we can talk about here in a few minutes.
0: Yeah, I definitely have that uh, certainly pointed out on the situational spots, as we'll hit a little bit later. All right, two power five teams that I want to hit on. Uh, you won't be surprised by the last one. But this one, Washington State, obviously earlier this season, they go uh, to Madison. They pull off a, a stunning upset uh, over the Badgers. And then this weekend at home, uh, if you had a money line bet on Washington State, my condolences. Thankfully, uh, they did get the cover uh, with a late touchdown. And the, and the right side covered there. If anyone has an Oregon ticket, don't give me any BS about it. it was a bad beat. It was not a bad beat. You had no business being anywhere close to covering. But what are you doing with this Cougars team? Uh, an impressive showing, albeit a loss to Oregon. Uh, but Cam Ward putting up big numbers. Um, you know, he, didn't run a ton. I know he was sacked a couple times, but Washington State does get the loss, but it
1: continues to, to fare pretty well. Yeah, this is a much better team than I expected. And, and Cam Ward coming in and playing as well as he has at the quarterback position has definitely helped because you worried about this team with Jaden Delora transferring to Arizona. You kind of wondered what this group would look like offensively. You sort of wondered, was Jake Dickert the right guy for the job to be the head coach? But so far through their first four games, they've looked good. And I mean, look, they gave up 29 points in the fourth quarter against Oregon. They had that game in hand. That's a game that they definitely should win. But, you know, sometimes teams do have growing pains, especially with a head coach who hasn't really been in that situation before. But I had to move the Cougars up again. I moved them up four points. And, you know, that's a team that I'll be watching very closely here to see if they can sustain this for the long haul or if this is just sort of. You know, a quick early season peak for them, and then as teams adjust to what they're doing, are they able to maintain this same pace? All right. Lastly,
0: a team that I don't know if anyone can figure out because week one they looked good in a loss to Ohio State. A lot of people upgraded them. Then they lose to Marshall. Then they're life and death with Cal, and then it felt like everybody was fading them. I know a handful of people that I uh, that I know out there said this was a an easy play. I stayed away from it. And Notre Dame comes out and runs the ball right down UNC's throat. So it feels like the Irish are starting to find a little bit of identity uh, with uh, with the running game. All three running backs eclipsed 100 yards of total offense. I believe that's the first time they've done that in school history. The offensive line, uh, I saw progress in the second half against Cal, and then they were dominant against UNC. So what do you make of the Irish right now? Because – Early on in the season, I think some people had them top five after the Ohio State game. Then you had to dr- drastically downgrade them.
1: Where are they trending right now, Adam? Yeah, they're, they're definitely trending up for me. I mean, they're still just outside of my top 25 and my power ratings they are about a point and a half out. But I did move them up three and a half points this week. And as I was making that adjustment and going through their box score, I was thinking about what you said about how you felt like in the second half of that previous game, they started to figure some things out. The offensive line was kind of pushing people around again. And then they come out and played, you know, pretty well for the mm-hmm. most part against North Carolina there. And it, it's it's one of those things that's really challenging early on in the year when you have a team that has pretty high expectations. I don't think anyone expected them to be a playoff team or anything like that. But they were power rated as a top 15 team for me to come out and look like they did early in the year. Maybe I overreacted a little bit. Maybe I didn't exercise patience. But at the same time, there are a lot of teams that have been very Jekyll and Hyde throughout the course of the season here so far. And you talk about that uh, win for James Madison over Middle Tennessee, how that keeps improving. The loss to Marshall looks worse. Yeah. With each passing week. <laughs> yeah. But... You know, from the eye test and also from how the market is rating Notre Dame, I had to move them up, and I'll probably end up having to move them up again coming up after this week.
0: Yeah, we'll see, uh, we'll see what the, the line will be uh, in two weeks. Notre Dame's off this week when they play BYU here in Las Vegas. So uh, there's a take a look at some of the teams, uh, the biggest risers. You mentioned UNLV2, you upgraded them four and a half points. So from the positive to the negative, we head to stock down. Stock down. All right Adam a team that you have moved down a full touchdown and I believe the text you gave me uh, earlier over the weekend was you know maybe Michigan State isn't that good and uh, you're looking at the market right now and the market's agreeing Maryland folks is a touchdown favorite over Michigan State. Now, Maryland, of course, covered over the weekend against Michigan. But what have you done to the
1: fighting Mel Tuckers in your power ratings? Yes, Sparty took that big dive. They went down seven points for me. And, and you know, look, I talked about it on last week's show, even two weeks ago, when we talked about the game against Washington, I had Michigan State a road favorite in that game. The market very clearly disagreed with me and the market was very right in that regard. Last week, I mean, look, maybe Minnesota's a really good team. I don't know. I guess there's a possibility that they're a really good team. 508 to 240 in yards, 240 to 38 in rushing yards. So, Michigan State is a shell of the team that we saw last season. It's more than just missing Kenneth Walker. Peyton Thorne got benched in this game. Uh, they had three turnovers, only the ball for 17 and a half minutes. It's just a bad, bad performance for Michigan State, and that's become a pattern now you know i mean you blow out akron that is what it is akron's just awful western michigan is a team and i also dropped a bunch in my power ratings as we'll get to in a second they're two games against real teams they've largely been not competitive so had to move them down and the nice thing is i have them a seven point dog against maryland this week so it seems like Maybe I've finally caught up with Michigan State.
0: Yeah, Michigan State. I, I can't remember what the number is or was off the top of my head, but there was a point in this game. I think they were being outgained like 300 to negative one or something like that. I mean, it was ugly. It was really ugly. And think about Minnesota. You know, they were able to run the ball, as you mentioned, with, with relative ease. They lost their leading receiver this week, and they still didn't skip a beat. So uh, the Gophers are a team to keep an eye on, certainly. when you look at the Big Ten West and, you know, You know, is it uh, all systems go for a showdown against Wisconsin uh, at Camp Randall on Thanksgiving weekend for who comes out of the Big Ten West? We will see. Iowa uh, certainly uh, will want to be a part of that uh, discussion as they play Michigan this week. Well, sticking in the uh, state of Michigan, Michigan State down seven points. You mentioned uh, the fighting Western Michigan former PJ Flex, former squad was out in San Jose late night game, and they got run uh, in San Jose in the Bay Area. So uh, the Broncos down six for you heading into this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, being an Ohio State fan, I don't give a damn about the whole state of Michigan. So I guess it makes <laughs> sense that you know, I got two big Michigan drops here this week, but Western Michigan I and mean, they weren't getting very good quarterback play from Jack Salipek anyway but he didn't even play in last week's game and i think that's why that line kind of ran out a little bit i had it san jose state minus one line closed all the way out at seven or even higher in some places i believe so i made a significant adjustment to western michigan i dropped them down six points western michigan is a team and i have probably five to ten teams year in and year out where i just don't have a good pulse on them it doesn't matter what happened the season before it doesn't have it doesn't matter what's happening that season There are teams that I just don't accurately rate year in and year out. And Western Michigan feels like one of them. And I think part of it is because they were so good during the Fleck years. You know, they've had some pretty good quarterbacks come through there. They don't have the good quarterbacks this year. So I made a big drop with them, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's not the last time I drop them this season. Well, I'm
0: looking forward to you betting uh, New Hampshire this weekend when they go to (laughs) Kalamazoo (laughs) to take on uh, Western Michigan. All right, a team uh, that – another team. You know, we mentioned Notre Dame, the preseason hype that they got. Uh, A lot of hype for Miami. And Mario Cristobal, is he the right guy? Uh, He seems like it. He's recruiting really well. This wasn't a fluke on Saturday. They got run by Middle Tennessee State, and certainly alarming. You mentioned benching of quarterbacks. Tyler Van Dyke was sent to the bench in this game, and this is a game that, you know, honestly wasn't on one of my screens, but he kept seeing the score just pop up, the highlights pop up, and – you know, you, you can't convert on a fourth and goal from the one. And what, the next play, they give up a 99-yard strike. So it was ugly uh, down there uh, in in Coral Gables. So what did you do with the uh, Hurricanes?
1: Yeah, I dropped the Hurricanes five and a half points here. And, and frankly, I don't know if that's enough. This is a team I was really high on coming into the year. And again, one of the arguments that you have with yourself when you're doing this power ratings process is digging in with your priors, digging in with all of your off-season research, all the work that you've done, But then also trying to find the balance with what's happening right in front of you. And I know I remember Sean King tweeted you know, about how bad Tyler Van Dyke looks, about how much he's regressed so far this season. I didn't anticipate that because I thought Josh Gaddis did a hell of a job with Michigan last year. Hard for me to compliment Michigan, but that's how good he was (laughs) with that job there with the Wolverines. And we're not seeing it here. With Miami, they have issues again defensively, which is something that the U seems to have year in and year out at this point. But in middle Tennessee, a 71-yard touchdown pass, a 69-yard touchdown pass, and then the 98-yard touchdown pass. 16 passes by Chase Cunningham were completed for
0: 408 yards.
1: Yeah, it's out of control. And we're not talking about... You know, in Ohio State that just has athletes all over the field. Yeah. We're talking about Middle Tennessee against Miami. And not to take anything away from the boys from Murfreesboro, but that can't happen when you're Miami. So I dropped them five and a half. And, and again, that that may not be enough if this continues to be a sinking ship here, particularly with Van Dyke, because now you wonder well, how much? How quickly does he adjust back into being the you know, the top guy for this team? Rick Stockstill, a former Florida State uh, was he
0: quarterback back in his day, uh, gives uh, gives Middle Tennessee their first ever win, I believe, over a Power were, Five opponent or top 25 or top, 25. Team, they top were 25 twenty five 0-1-20. twenty five twenty yeah. And uh shout out well done, Middle I feel like, Tennessee. I like think we may
1: talk about them again here in a yep, few minutes. That might be uh, mentioned a, a little bit later on. All right, final team. One actually, I, actually, one thing yeah. I want to mention really quickly, uh you know, there were some quarterback injuries that popped up very late this past week. I don't think anyone really expected Aiden O'Connell to be out. Yep. But then that was one that kind of showed up. Snuck past uh, Florida Atlantic. Davis Bryn for Tulsa, he got hurt. He's I think he's kind of been dealing with something anyway, but he got hurt in that game last week against Ole Miss. And by the way, Tulsa played really well against Ole Miss last week. Maybe I should have given them Big a little bit bet more respect. Regret. For I'll that. be
0: honest. Big bet regret for me was not playing Tulsa. Uh, clear look ahead spot for Ole Miss mm-hmm. uh, taking on Kentucky this week. So uh, I, I completely, I, I had it on the list. I think we mightn't even mention it, but I did not bet it. So frustrated that I did not pull the trigger on that one.
1: But if Davis Brin is out, I dropped Tulsa six points. I know the backup did some decent things. And obviously they played very well defensively in the second half down there in Oxford. But if Brin's out, I would drop Tulsa six points. And for Aiden O'Connell, if he's out, he's probably about a six point adjustment as well, especially with how much Purdue wants to throw the football.
0: All right. Uh, two more. Uh, and we'll stick in a power five. Boston college, man. Whoa. What is happening? And you know, Florida state is certainly as uh, much better. And back in the top 25 and Jordan Travis, great to see him back on the field uh, there for the Seminoles. But Wow! Absolutely, run off the field. Down thirty-one, nothing at halftime. Phil Jerkovic came back this season. The offensive line has been absolutely decimated. You know, you heard about Zay Flowers, their their big-time receiver, saying how much he was offered. You know, potentially transfer. He sticks around, and yikes! I, I don't know what to do with Boston College.
1: Yeah, I dropped him four points. That's about the only thing I can do Yeesh. at this point in time is is move that team down and. You know, I think that's something else that's a really important thing to keep in mind. As you mentioned, 31 nothing at halftime. I look a lot at what the, fir- or what the halftime score was because teams will make their adjustments in the second half where there's garbage time or something like that. But what did that game look like when the second quarter was over? And that's one where Florida State, with a banged up, no less, Jordan Travis, went out there and just did whatever they wanted. And that's a bad look for a Boston College team that, frankly, I thought played really well last season under, under Jeff Halfley, but – we're not seeing it here this year at all. Yeah, I'm stunned. Uh and, and we had heard about the injuries on
0: the offensive line. They were down 37-0 early in the third quarter against Florida State. They were absolutely uh hammered in that game. Final one, uh, Georgia. Uh people you know were were interested about taking Kent State. They've shown well in their two games in their murderers row of a non-conference, uh, where you play Washington week one, play Oklahoma, where they actually play quite well. And then Kent State, man, they they did some things against Georgia. Look, I I don't know how much you could put into a a game uh, against Kent State and Georgia. I I certainly would put more stock in a 49-3 win over Oregon as opposed to a 39-22 win over Kent State, but what did you do with the Bulldogs? Did you adjust them at all after the performance on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I just dropped them down one point. My line was a little bit high in that game, and in fact, my line's a little bit high this week when they take on Missouri. I have that one at 31. I think the market's around 28 or so uh, for that game, so I'm just a little bit high on the Bulldogs, and and that'll happen, you know, because a lot of times, again, the, the first step that I do in adjusting my power ratings is comparing my line to the closing line, and on game day, people will bet Georgia at any number. They'll bet Alabama at any number, stuff like that. So sometimes I probably overinflate some of the top teams as a result. And Georgia, it seems like right now, is a team that I'm doing that with. But then Alabama is one that I'm not because my line's a little bit lower this week against Arkansas. So, you know, I, I typically don't do a whole lot with the premier teams anyway, just because you get all the big spreads and those are the most scrutinized lines and all that. But I did drop Georgia just one point and. Didn't really have anything to do with their performance against Kent State. Just kind of a correction in my own numbers. All right, Adam, I want to jump into uh, to Week Five. Some
0: uh, some games that have moved a lot. But before we do that, also in your article each and every week, you kind of point out the games that you have uh, a big discrepancy on, and not not often do you get the the premier matchup having this big of a discrepancy. So Clemson and NC State are playing. It's a top ten matchup. Uh, this game is at Clemson. Clemson needing. Double overtime to beat Wake Forest, fifty-one to forty-five. I was pretty disappointed by the performance of the defense. Very encouraged and impressed by Wake Forest, uh, but you do have a pretty big discrepancy in the line because as of right now, as we are sitting here on you know a Monday afternoon, it's pretty much six and a half across the board. Some sevens out there uh, in favor of Clemson, but what is your line on Clemson, NC State?
1: Yeah, I actually have this game lined at 12, which is is definitely high, and it's a signal to me that I'm going to have to make an adjustment on one or both of these teams. But NC State, i got to be honest with you, Tim. Not impressive. They've so not far. impressed me at all. You know, Should they have lost team, East Carolina. They are a team that I, an East Carolina team, had just lost to Navy, Navy. over the weekend, by yep. the way. Um, you know, Look, this NC State team, Texas Tech was leaving Texas for the first time. It was the only road game that they've played here so far. They didn't really look all that great in that game either. You know, as you mentioned, they should have lost East Carolina to open the year. You don't really find out anything about a team against Charleston Southern or UConn. But this NC State team, people were talking about Devin Leary, you know, as a Heisman candidate. They were talking about this team as being the one to dethrone Clemson. And I get it. They're still ranked number 10 in the country. But I mean, for me, I've dropped them in my power ratings a couple of different times, not overly significant numbers or anything like that but just kind of a gradual regression of my value on that team i have them as a 20 tied for the 27th best team in the country right now i still have clemson as a top 10 team and i think the fact that dj uyangalele has looked so much better as the season has gone along kind of gives me a little bit more confidence in the tigers here so i think this is one that i'm going to you know, take a really long look at after the game is played and see if maybe I was just a little bit too high on one team or the other. But I do think if you can find a six and a half and there still are some out there, I think this one does go to seven or higher. Although that's a game where we've got the weather consideration where it's likely to be very windy and rainy. So, you know, we'll see. To me, I think that would actually benefit Clemson probably to have the bad weather conditions. But, you know, it it gets really hard to lay a number when you've got a total that's going to be, Probably in the forty-one or so range when this game goes off. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's uh, let's get to some of the line moves. Once again, every Sunday, make sure to check out Jonathan Von Tobel, the Lines Revealed show on Veasan, two p.m. Eastern, eleven a.m. Pacific. Uh, he reacts in live time to the lines being posted at circa, and then uh, that'll be in this same feed as well. So you look at some of the big line moves. I'm going to get to the totals here in just a moment because this is an interesting tweet that or text that you had to me uh, about the pending hurricane that is uh moving up the coast and what the totals have done uh but a couple games that have moved considerably Pitt uh opened 18 georgia tech is now uh, a 23 point favorite and you know georgia tech of course firing jeff collins uh firing their ad as well so a pretty significant move for the pit panthers uh laying a big old number against uh against the yellow jackets
1: Yeah, so I was closer to the opener here. I had this one 16, and I have downgraded Pitt a little bit as this season's gone along. But for Georgia Tech, you know, you always wonder about a team. This could be a situational spot in and of itself. You always wonder about a team in that first game after the head coach is gone because it's done now, right? I mean, this is something that the program expected for probably a while now. It just wasn't working out there with Jeff Collins. It's a similar thing with Nebraska and Scott Frost, right? They knew it was just a matter of time until Scott Frost was going to be let go. So is that dark cloud gone now to the point where Georgia Tech can come out there and just play without that distraction, play without knowing that, you know, this could be the game where we get our coach fired or, you know, are they kind of sulking a little bit because that's a guy that, you know, was in their living room saying, Hey, come play for me here. You know? So I think it's a really, really tough thing to try and figure out. But the one thing that we do all know is that, Georgia tech has not played well throughout the course of the season. So I don't expect some big reversal here, but I think that at this point in time, it would be Georgia tech or nothing for me with that line as high as it is. Well, as
0: an owner of an under three and a half wins bet uh, for Georgia tech, uh, I kind of hope that uh, they continue to struggle. No offense to the, uh, to the young men down there uh, in Atlanta, Louisville, We mentioned Boston College already. Uh, They opened an 11-point favorite on the road at Boston College, a noon local kick time. It goes all the way to 17, Adam, and now we've seen a little bit of buyback uh, on the Eagles, and it's down to 15.5 at time of record. So overall, a move of 4.5 points for the Cardinals as they head to Chestnut Hill on
1: Saturday. And this is another one where, you know, my line was 12 on this game, so it's a little bit low for me, even with a pretty significant adjustment to Boston College. I just – what is Louisville? I don't know (laughs) what this team is. I I bet
0: them against Florida State and then – I thought when Rotemaker came in, I thought well, we're on, we're money,
1: and uh, he lit him up and was able to get that win for Florida State on a Friday night. I mean, thoroughly dominated by Syracuse in that first game, the ugly win over UCF, a UCF team that isn't as good as either one of us expected, yep. and then the Florida State loss. But then South Florida was not in a good spot last week, and we talked about that on the show. You were dead on about your thoughts on that game. Did did forty one to three tell us anything about Louisville over South Florida, given that spot? I don't know. So early kickoff here in, in Chestnut Hill. I don't know if I would really want to lay that big of a number with Louisville, but it's not like I'm rushing to bet Boston College either. This is a
0: fascinating one to me. Uh, it's Florida State now laying seven in most spots, six and a half as we sit here uh, at Circa against Wake Forest. And you know how my mind thinks. Last thing we saw from Wake Forest was they were right there with Clemson and now they're catching a touchdown on the road Uh, to me this is screaming you know the books want you to take the dog here in wake forest obviously there's been market backing uh, of florida state so uh, do you agree with this move three points from the opener
1: uh in favor
0: of the knolls
1: i have this one florida state minus six so if it got over seven i could maybe make a case for taking wake forest but That defense is deplorable. It's just bad, and it has been for a long period of time. So they're very reliant on Sam Hartman outscoring the other team. That's the only way that they win games, pretty much, is to win 38-35 or something like that. And Florida State, Mike Norvell's got them going in the right direction here. And Jordan Travis looks much improved from where he was a couple of years ago. I kind of want to buy on Florida State, but – you know my numbers kind of say that this line is, is pretty much where it should be.
0: Alright, another game, another team that we've mentioned already, Michigan State. Uh, they go to College Park. Your line is seven, and that's where the market has moved. So Maryland is now laying seven uh, against Michigan State. Maryland, I'll say this, uh, very impressed. I, I talked about it during the week. Uh, I did not play this particular game. I should have probably followed the uh, the steam there uh, because they were able to cover that, even though it got a little in question late, but Mike Loxley historically, Adam, had struggled in these spots where, you know, Maryland gets off to a good start. Uh, They held their own. And even with a backup quarterback coming in late there uh, with Leah getting hurt to to his little brother. So the market now saying Maryland laying a touchdown against Sparty.
1: Yeah. And as I said, I mean, that's where I have the line on this game. But I think what is interesting is that anything that was over seven isn't really anymore. And you even see a six and a half here. Uh, in town and also in, in the legal jurisdictions at Caesars uh, with Michigan State plus six and a half. So, coming down off the key number is interesting. And, and as you mentioned, Tungavailoa was banged up in that game last week. And I sort of wonder if we either get some speculative money, wondering how much below 100% he actually is, or if we see money that somebody's finding something out about, you know, kind of his availability going into this week's game. The question for me is I mean, the, it, how can Michigan State get off the mat? I mean, this is a team that obviously is going in the wrong direction. They just got completely buried by Minnesota. They could get buried again this week, whether Tungavailoa plays or not. So I have no interest in betting Michigan State. But this is one of those cases, I think, where maybe some people are looking at Sparty and saying this is a buy low type of situation.
0: And I'll just say this, uh, catching that fourth quarter. And now that you know, defense was a bit soft for Michigan late in that game, the kid who came in for him, Billy Edwards, who uh, went to Wake, transferred to, to Maryland. He's got some wheels. He's got a good arm. I was actually impressed uh, by uh, Billy Edwards, the kid who came in for for Tunga Vailoa. All right, final one I want to mention here, and this could kind of be lumped into the letdown spot. Uh, uh, The the market, at least from open, is backing the Blue Raiders, which doesn't surprise me all that much. UTSA is visiting Murfreesboro on a Friday night this week. This game opened at circa at 7, quickly got bet down, went as low as four bounce back up and now it's sitting at four i think this is a really tricky spot for middle tennessee obviously they they celebrated uh, as they should beating miami like they did utsa workmanlike effort played texas southern one by four touchdowns you know maybe they could kind of take a, a breath after their gauntlet to start the season where you had houston overtime game army overtime game then you go to texas you're you're down a touchdown and a half. You ultimately lose by three touchdowns. I think situationally they are at home. It's a tricky spot in my eyes for middle Tennessee. I could see myself definitely on the roadrunners on Friday night.
1: It is. And it's also a short week for the blue Raiders too, coming off of that big win over Miami and UTSA. I'm not going to say it was a buy playing Texas Southern, but you know, glorified buy. yeah, it's exactly a glorified buy there. Um, my line's five and a half. So I'm kind of right in between the open and where the line currently sits. This is another situation, though, for me with UTSA, where my priors, like my offseason work, I really liked the Roadrunners. I think they're a very well-coached team. The market was a little bit down on them because they had lost some of their returning production, particularly in the running game. But I thought this was still a really, really good team, and I still think that it is. But I could also understand why people like Middle Tennessee here, where— Last year, Middle Tennessee had to play four different quarterbacks. They had one guy retire, then another guy in Cunningham who had all the passing yards last week. He wound up getting hurt about midway through the year when he had, I want to say, a 16-2 to two touchdown to interception ratio, 16-3, to three, something like that. So I understand wanting to buy into Middle Tennessee. I just think maybe the market has lost some of its respect for UTSA, and this could be the type of game where it comes back.
0: Yeah, uh, I haven't bet this game yet, but certainly would look – Towards the uh, the road in this spot. A couple more things before we uh, before we wrap it up here, Adam. Uh, I do want to point out the hurricane that is uh, that is lurking here uh, for the Florida, Carolinas, Georgia area. So Hurricane Ian, I guess, is expected to hit landfall on Thursday, from my understanding. Maybe even earlier than that. The market is reacting like they know the path of this hurricane. So I'm just going to point these games out. You mentioned them too. Coastal Carolina, which is located in Myrtle Beach, uh, is the total opened at circa 63 and a half, got to 69, and is now at time of recording as we're sitting here at 60, Coastal and Georgia Southern. Virginia Tech and UNC, this game is at UNC, Open 60 and a half, got as low as 49, and is now at 51 and a half. And then Liberty at Old Dominion. Old Dominion located in the Hampton Roads area, Norfolk, Virginia, on the water as well. Open 54 and a half, has gotten down to 42. A 12-point move for Liberty and Old Dominion. I'm not going to pretend to be a meteorologist, but we got a week before these games are playing and hurricanes can do a lot of weird things. They could just completely go away. They could shift one way or the other buyer. Beware on this situation, Adam, because you, you people are betting this thing. Like they know exactly
1: the pathway for hurricane Ian. Yeah. And some other games that moved about a touchdown or so in the total North Carolina state, Clemson, Virginia Duke, uh, Texas state. James Madison's only moved down about a field goal, but that's one that may keep coming down. And then also UTEP and Charlotte is another one that had a pretty big move. And Charlotte's defense is god awful. So for the total to come down there, that speaks to kind of the confidence level that betters have of the path of this storm. And, you know, I I was surprised to see this happen on Monday because, as you said, hurricanes can be very unpredictable. And there's a possibility that this thing shifts a little bit more west, kind of heads more up into the Gulf states where it impacts, you know, Mississippi, Alabama, stuff like that. But it looks like it's going to go into Florida and then roll up through Georgia and then on into the Carolinas. But as you said, we're still several days in advance of this weather system. But this is what sharp guys do. They're going to speculate and say, you know what? If this storm path goes the way it's expected to, we're talking probably 30 plus mile per hour winds. We're talking a lot of rain. And the biggest thing that moves totals from a weather standpoint is wind. And you're going to get wind with a system like this, depending on where it ends up going. So I was a little bit surprised to see it happen on Monday. That is a very high degree of confidence in the forecast. Typically, you see it happen kind of Tuesday evening into Wednesday morning. But that wasn't the case here with this one. So we'll see, because now this creates some really interesting middle opportunities. If the storm moves or if someone decides, you know what, these are two bad run defenses, maybe I'll take this low over or something like that. But this is a really important thing. It's hurricane season. This is a very extreme weather event, obviously, so the lines do move. But as we're getting deeper into the fall here, you will get more wind. You will get more precipitation. You want to look in the mountain states You know, for a lot of wind, stuff like that. You have to, before you lock in a wager, whether it's a side or a total, Look at the weather forecast because yeah, you'll see the line move on the total, but also if you're a team that throws the football a lot and all of a sudden it's going to be 25 mile per hour winds, that changes your offensive game plan that changes the efficiency of your offense. So you can make side bets based on wind and rain and things of that sort as well. People might remember I do because it was uh
0: agony to watch this game October of 2016 Notre Dame and NC State played in the middle of a hurricane there was 311 total yards in that game Uh, the teams combined to go three for twenty nine on third down a whopping 10 to 3 final NC State won that game and Brian Kelly yelled at the center for not having quality shotgun snaps
1: how Just many uh, how many t- pass attempts did Notre Dame have in that game
0: uh, probably way too many if I remember correctly Deshaun Kaiser in that game went 9 of 26 26 smart smart, uh, smart game plan Notre Dame went 4 and 8 that year by the way uh, alright let's, uh, let's wrap things up with a, with a couple letdown spots let down and look ahead All right, Adam, we mentioned one, Middle Tennessee going to UT, or excuse me, hosting UTSA. Uh, That line has moved to four. Another is Wake Forest. Would you deem this a letdown spot for the Demon Deeks? They get an opportunity to go to Florida State. Uh, It's going to be a juiced-up atmosphere. Florida State's a top-25 team. Uh, So I, I wouldn't say this fits your typical letdown spot, but for Wake Forest at home, double overtime, had it, it felt like against Clemson. And the market is reacting as if this will be a potential letdown spot for the Demon Deeks, as we mentioned, has moved from four to six and a half or seven in favor of the Seminoles.
1: Well, I wouldn't call it a glorified buy for Florida State because they at least played an FBS team in Boston <laughs> College. But, I mean, they certainly didn't put out the energy. They didn't need that to. Wake Forest did. Nope. so, and, and Florida State, again, I mean – I think this team is a lot better than people expected them to be because of how good Travis looks, because it just seems like they're going in the right direction. And I think it's intriguing when you get a game like this, where you do have a clearly improving team like Florida state against a wake forest that we all know what wake forest is. I just talked about it. They have to win 38, 35, 42, 38, something like that. They don't stop teams. Their defense is not good. So I understand why this one's moving in the direction of Florida state. And look like i said i mean if i if this line got to seven and a half my power ratings would tell me to take wake forest but i'd i'd be much more inclined to, to lay a six or six and a half if i follow with forest state one of my favorite bets this past week and it was uh, one of those
0: ones where you you know you get the opposition from from the uh the strong voices on twitter uh telling you you're an idiot and then it came home they almost went outright oregon state Oregon State, right there with USC. They get a late touchdown to Jordan Addison. Uh, do the Trojans? They win seventeen to fourteen. By the way, USC just four more turnovers, fourteen to nothing in turnover margin this year. But now you turn around your Oregon State. This was a physical game, great atmosphere. Now you got to go on the road and play Utah. They're a pretty hefty favorite here. Uh, excuse me, dog here against Utah. I think this is just. I like Oregon State a lot, so I don't know if I'll, I'll take the 10 and a half because it feels like a lot of points. But, man, it, it feels like after exerting all that energy, late night game, juiced up crowd,
1: now you got to go on the road to play Utah and they just want to beat you up. Yeah, and you got to play an elevation, too, which is something that I, I think could be really challenging for Oregon State. I don't know if I'd lay the 10 and a half full game. My line's eight and a half on this one. But. I think you could very easily make a case for a Utah second half play, depending on how the first half of this game goes, or maybe the Beavers just run out of steam a little bit, you know, because as you mentioned, a very tough physical game. I'll also say this and along those same lines, I would have loved to bet against USC this week. I have no interest in playing Arizona state. No, no, I'm no interest at all. Pass. Uh, that's a team that USC it feels like will just Caleb Williams
0: was was off uh, against Oregon State and I feel like that's a, a get right opportunity
1: uh, there for Caleb Williams. I got a couple of spots I want to ask you about here. Yep. Uh, this is one that really stood out to me, and I'm kind of intrigued by the line movement here. It's an early kickoff between Georgia State and Army. So I know that Georgia State had a little bit of extra time to prep for the triple option, but you go in the middle of conference play travel all the way up to West point with a Georgia state team. It's 0 four and really hasn't looked that good in the process. Obviously when you're 0 four, you're not going to look that good, but I don't think army is great, but I have this game a little bit higher than the market number. I have it 11 and you can find seven and a half out there with army. I, this seems like a really precarious spot for Georgia state.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm getting a little tired of losing money on, on Georgia state. I bet them against coastal. I know you didn't. So uh, that was a good call by you. Um, so, yeah, this is a tricky spot, though, for sure, when you look at Georgia State and what's their mindset after just getting housed uh, by Coastal Carolina in a, in a primetime opportunity on a, on a weekday. So, yeah, I you know, you, you go up there, you know, we've looked at – We, we, you know, Army, uh, I liked Army against uh, UTSA. Obviously, that game went to overtime, um, but that was a game that, you know, I kind of had an eye on and didn't uh, ultimately come home. You know, I want to go back to another game that we mentioned earlier in the show, and you bumped this team up in your power ratings, and that's Washington State. You know, what is their mindset right now after – just having a victory completely snatched away from them against Oregon. And now you turn around and you're a home favorite against Cal Cal. Look, they played Arizona. I've been impressed by Arizona. Jaden Ott, the, the the freshman running back, ran for 274 yards in this game. Jake, uh, Jack Plummer threw for 245. Uh, you know, Cal, to an extent, impressed me in South Bend. And, you know, this performance that they had against Arizona, by the way, that UNLV win looks a little bit better each and every week. Mm -hmm. I kind of like Cal catching four up at the Palouse. This just seems like where is Washington State's mind going to be after having Oregon done? They were dead to rights. They lose that game. And now you got to play Cal. And, you know, playing Cal is always a pain in the ass.
1: Yeah, I'll say this. My line is six, but I did bump both of these teams up. Uh, for this week, I just made a little bit bigger of an adjustment. Washington State, I moved up four. Cal, I moved up two and a half. That point and a half difference is kind of where the line is in the market. But to that point, you know, I mentioned this earlier when I was talking about moving Washington State up. So we don't really know a whole lot about Jake Dicker, and we don't really know about how he's going to fare in a situation like this being the head coach. Because a lot of times when you talk about these situational spots, it comes down to the coach. It comes down to the coach being able to help the players have a short memory, figure out, you know, the problem areas that they had. And obviously for them, their biggest problem in that game was simply finishing it. You know, they had that game won mm. and they weren't able to put it away. Now they take on a Cal team that you know wants to run the football, wants to be pretty physical. I would be concerned about Washington state in that spot. I don't know if it's a game that I'll bet necessarily, but it is another one where if a second half opportunity presents itself, that may be something i jump on
0: and it's not a night game it's kind of a weird it's 230 local kickoff so it's not a game uh that you would think uh, washington state after losing that game would be uh would be fired up uh to uh to take to tackle their final one and uh we'll wrap on this because this game should be the way you wrap up a podcast jmu thank you dukes uh outright winner well done and now you turn around and you get the mighty bobcats at texas state I would think this is a pretty big letdown spot. Home game, 130 local kick against Texas State. Uh, Texas State is coming off of a, a, a walloping of Houston Houston Christian. Um, tricky spot for JMU, laying 23 right now against Texas State.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really big number, certainly. And I, I would say that if James Madison didn't have, a, a, I venture to call it an elite defense, I would be on Texas State here, but james madison has a really really good defense and this could be another one of the games impacted by the remnants of hurricane ian as it moves up the east coast where we haven't seen a huge move on this total as of yet but it could be one that winds up having a pretty sizable move by kickoff so for me it would be texas state or nothing in this game but james madison has also proven me wrong at multiple junctures already <laughs> this season so i don't know if i want to step in front of that train uh but you know look obviously a huge win for them over app state the App state was the poster child of going from FCS to FBS and being a really good football program for James Madison to beat them. I'm not going to call it a passing of the torch or anything like that, but I'm, I'm sure that, you know, the program and the players really appreciate how much that means Is there a hangover this week, I think, is a fair question. Yeah, and something we
0: pointed out, um, you know, this wasn't just your average FCS program that was transitioning. This is a team that was probably the second-best FCS program over the last decade to North Dakota State. Jeff Sagarin had his ratings where he combines – I think you pointed this out – FBS and FCS rankings. They were 67th last year, which would have been fourth-best in the Sun Belt. So it wasn't like it was a big shock. But now you got to turn it around and play another FBS team. There's no, you know – I don't want to insert a FCS team that maybe is pretty good, but uh, we will see certainly a game to keep an eye on there as a potential letdown spot.
1: A few things I just kind of want to mention, generally speaking about the market, that are, are pretty intriguing here this week. UNLV is a double-digit favorite <laughs> against a Power 5 team, which is something I don't think we've <laughs> seen since 2018. And New Mexico State... And we talked about a little bit about New Mexico State and Hawaii last week. I'm so mad I didn't bet that game. They hammered Hawaii, Hawaii in the first half of that game. Hawaii so is bad. awful. But New Mexico State, now FIU lost 73 to nothing last week. To, Western, to Kentucky. Western Kentucky. But New Mexico State is laying double digits against FIU. And this is a New Mexico State team. It's like not favored, period throughout the course of the regular season. And they're laying double digits against FIU. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. And again, it's, it's, I mean, they're laying two touchdowns more than that in that game. So it's just remarkable. The, the challenge that you have with college football of thinking about the past. You know, a lot of people are trends betters or think about historical outliers, stuff like that, how you have to, in the span of four weeks, just kind of erase a lot of things from your memory to just sort of look at the present And that's something that I can tell you as somebody who's been doing this for over a decade, that's something that I still struggle with is, is realizing that what's in the present is what matters with teams like UNLV with teams like, you know, New Mexico state, at least this week, bowling green is a big favorite on the road against Akron. Like these teams that aren't really accustomed to these sizable favorite roles being in them. It's a mental hurdle that you have to get over, but it can be very, very difficult. Follow Adam
0: on Twitter at skating tripods. You can follow me at one Tim Murray. We'll be back on Thursday. Myself and Matt humans breaking down the week five card in its entirety. Also check out VEASAN.com myself, Adam, Jeff Parles, uh, uh, Danny Burke. Uh, we all have our best bets on VEASAN.com. Uh, so make sure to check out that once again, please rate reviews, subscribe to the VEASAN college football betting podcast for Adam Burke. I'm Tim Murray back on Thursday with Matt Eumanns.